Did you know that five seconds after death, every atheist becomes a believer? Did you know that? They believe that there really is a God, that there really is a place called hell. Every single one of them. Sad though, isn't it? We have this life and this life only. No second chances. We're not reincarnated. We don't come back for a second kick at the can. This is it, folks. We need to make it worthwhile. We need to make it last. We need to make it real. Now, most people today fail to understand what is the main purpose of a church. This is why... This morning, I'm glad you're here because I want to speak on the most important purpose of the church. To some people, the church is nothing more than a social club for religious folks. That's what the church is in their mind. For some others, the church is some kind of dinosaur uh, that wastes people's time and resources and, you know, just a big waste. And yet I read a website just this past week where they estimate there are 37 million Christian churches in the world today. Now that's an interesting number. I'm not sure how they came up with that, but I guess it's as good a number as any. 37 million Christian churches in the world. Now think of it, it, some of them are really big, others are really small. But if each one of those churches averaged 50 people, 50 people times 37 million, you're getting pretty close to 2 billion people who go to church. Now, the question is, why do they go to church? What's their purpose? Why are they going to church? What is the purpose of them attending church? And so today I want to get very specific. I want to talk about what a church is. And I want to talk about the main purpose of a church. Now, when I say church, I'm not referring to some kind of church denomination in particular. I'm not referring to any kind of worldwide collective group of so-called churches, such as the Roman Catholic churches. And I'm certainly not referring to any kind of religious sort of group that would call itself a church and yet fails to recognize the deity of almighty God, Jesus Christ. I'm certainly not talking about them. When I, when I say church, I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean. When I say church, I mean a local assembly of saved people who believe the Bible and are baptized by full immersion and are bonded together by some common membership, having pastoral and deacon leadership. Furthermore, this assembly meets together on a regular basis for the purpose of Bible teaching, preaching, prayer, worship, fellowship, communion, and the evangelization of the lost. That's my definition. I went back and counted 55 word definition. That's a long definition of what a church is, but that's what I mean when I say church. Now, not everyone believes that 55 word definition of what a church is. As I said, some people think a church is just a social club. Others believe it's a dinosaur. You know, you got to wonder where some people come up with their ideas as to what a church is. And where did I get my ideas from? Well, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, I'm happy to say. 
And I get my definition of the, the church from the Bible, which I've studied now for just about 46 years. I actually began my study of the Bible before I got saved. Um, those 37 million Christian churches, are they all the same? Are they cookie cutter? Are they all the same? And of course, you know, the answer to that is no, they're not. And quite a bit of differences in all of those 37 million churches. But when you think of it biblically, you can draw a line in the sand and you can essentially classify any of those 37 million churches into one of two basic categories. One category is the churches that believe the Bible, Bible believing churches. And the other category is they don't believe the Bible. Imagine that. And they, they call themselves a church, but they don't believe the Bible. And we're talking about Christian churches. And yet we have those basic two categories. Now, the first group, the churches that are Bible believing, they will at least, at very least, they will hold to number one. The Bible is the word of God. They'll at least believe that. Number two, they'll at least believe that Jesus is God Almighty. They'll recognize the divinity of Jesus Christ and they'll love him. And number three, they'll believe that salvation, how you get to heaven, is a matter of grace through faith. They'll at least believe that. Now, the churches that are not Bible believing will be just as different as you can possibly imagine. Plus some. Now, because I'm a Bible believing Christian, I believe that the 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 church in order to be a church must fall within the guidelines that God gives us in the Bible, because not all Bible believing Christians are exactly the same. Not all Bible believing churches. Maybe I should have said churches are exactly the same because we've got some differences. Is that wrong? Not necessarily because God does give us the freedom as a church to explore different things as long as, listen to this, as long as it doesn't detract us from our main focus, our main purpose. And that is so, so important. And so that's why today I want to talk with you about the most important purpose of the local church. Now that's my introduction. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into this subject. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that you would have the Holy Spirit to, to take the word of God and apply it to our hearts. We ask that you would help us to be teachable and receptive to your word today. Lord, we know the devil hates the teaching and preaching of the Bible, and he'll try to withstand it. He'll try to put other thoughts in our minds. He'll try to, to snap away the good seed as it's sown. Father, prevent that from happening today. Help us all to get firmly in our hearts and minds what it is, this main overall purpose of a local Bible-believing church. Help us to not only get it in our head, but get it in our heart. And Father, help us today to both preach and listen as unto eternity. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I recently read an interesting story about a young man named Scott Britton. And as a teenager, Scott got the idea in his heart that he wanted to do something with his life. And so he decided he wanted to start a business, build a business that would benefit the less fortunate people in the world. 
And when Scott got into his early 20s, he got that opportunity. And he went at it tooth and nail like a real tiger. And he started building his business that was going to benefit the less fortunate people in the world. And Scott just, there was no stopping him. He'd rise up early. He'd work all day. He'd work late. He was trying to be the very best businessman he could. He was literally trying to squeeze the maximum output out of every possible thing he could do. And this is what he did for a number of years. And the business grew and prospered. And then one day it hit him. He realized something during his obsession of trying to build a successful company and being an effective businessman, Scott had actually removed himself from engaging in his life goal, which was to help the less fortunate. That was his whole purpose, his whole goal when he was a teenager. That's why he started the business. And he got so consumed and so involved in building a successful business that without realizing it, he drifted away from what his main purpose was supposed to be. And I read that story and I thought of it in terms of the local church. And it seems to me at least that in the last, I don't know, 50 years maybe, that some churches or maybe many churches have become so success-oriented or so comfort-oriented or so entertainment-oriented or even so teaching-oriented that somehow what ends up happening is they've lost sight of the end goal. They've lost sight from what we call the most important purpose of the local New Testament church. Now think of it, if there really is a devil, then he's going to try to keep churches away from the most important thing, isn't he? It makes total sense. And I believe the devil's very good at what he does. The devil is against the overall most important purpose of the local church. He is totally against it. And so what is this purpose of the local church? Is it to baptize people? Is it to grow the membership? Is it to meet on Sundays? Is it so that we can teach and preach the Bible? Is our purpose so that we can get together for prayer? Is our purpose so that we can worship God? What is our most important purpose? Is it so that we can have fellowship and communion? And I say that all of these things are good and they certainly play a part in what a church does, but none of them, none of them are the most important main purpose of the church that Jesus formed. Now think about this. We've got our Bibles open to Acts chapter one. The very first church is right here in front of us. And they met together in Acts chapter one, verse 13. It says, and when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and all of the rest of the fellows. Now, this was the very first church. I want you to notice in verse 15 that their attendance had grown to a respectable 120. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and then in brackets here, 
The number of names together were about 120. Well, that's a pretty respectable size of a church. Nothing wrong with that at all. But yet this in itself, the fact that they had come together and grown their membership to 120, this did not fulfill the most important purpose for which Jesus had brought them together. Now they met together and for the next approximately 10 days, what they did was they met regularly together. They met every day. They would get together, not just once a week. They get together every day. They met. And yet this meeting together in itself did not fulfill the main purpose that Jesus had in mind for the church. They hadn't fulfilled it yet. Now, during these 10 days, there's no question about it. They would have done a lot of Bible reading, Bible teaching and Bible preaching. Peter was a preacher. You can't have a a preacher in a room of 120 people and get no sermon. For sure, there would have been a lot of Bible reading and teaching and preaching. And yet this still did not fulfill the purpose for which the church had been brought together. Also during these 10 days, they obviously would have prayed. They, uh, uh, they, they got together. You, You can't get holy people together for any length of time without them getting on their knees and praying. And they prayed constantly. And yet they still hadn't fulfilled the purpose for which Jesus had brought them together. And the same could be said for all of the fellowship they had and for all of the worship they had. And I don't know, it doesn't say, but maybe even they had communion possibly. And yet all these things, they still did not fulfill the purpose for which Jesus brought them together. It was not until, as I say, about 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, that was the Jewish feast of Pentecost. And when that was fully come, this little church finally began to fulfill the purpose for which Jesus had formed it. He said, I will build my church, said Jesus in Matthew 16. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And here, that very first church. Well, let's take a look in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I have a message on tongues, but not for today. That's for another Sunday. Look at verse seven. And they were all amazed and marveled saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And look at verse 14. But Peter standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And he preached. Now look at verse 40. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3000 souls. 3000 people got saved here. Finally, the main purpose of this church, they finally, started fulfilling the main job, the main important, most important purpose 
of the church. They started doing it. And this main purpose is still the main purpose of every local church all down through these 2000 years. Turn back to chapter one. I'll show it to you. And I'd like you to read it out loud with me. It's in verse eight. Most of you have it memorized, but I want you to read out loud. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Let's begin. But ye shall receive power after that. The Holy ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Notice that Jesus was going to give his power so that they could witness to the lost. God will always, always give his power so that his church can fulfill its purpose. Always. God would never, ever ask us to do something for which we did not have the power to do it. Let that be known. Now, question. Here's that early church. Jesus said, chapter one, verse eight, you shall be witnesses. Chapter two, verse one, finally, 10 days later, the day of Pentecost was come. They're all gathered together. Peter stands up, preaches this wonderful sermon. 3,000 people get saved. Wow. They fulfilled their purpose. Question is, was this a one-time thing? Was it done now? Were they finished? They've done what Jesus asked them to do. They preached the gospel to the lost. But is the job finished? And I don't think it was. Now, you needn't turn there, but let me read for you a couple more verses out of the book of Acts. Just a short time later, chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Well, apparently, they kept on doing it. It didn't stop there on the day of Pentecost. But even afterward, they kept fulfilling the purpose that Jesus gave to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Ooh, remember? Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea and Samaria, and preached Christ unto them. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be judge of the quick and the dead. The preaching is still going on, even to the, the, the centurion, the Roman centurion. So they still hadn't finished. Acts chapter 16 Verse 10, and after he had seen the vision immediately, that was Paul saw the vision, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now this is way off the map now into Macedonia. The gospel was spreading. They kept taking the good news now to the uttermost parts of the earth. Any day now, I'm going to read Surrey in this book of Acts. We're about as utmost, I think, as you can find some days. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. And that's my point, is that he was still an evangelist. He was getting up in years, but here's Philip. He was one of the seven, the seven deacons. And here, all these years, he's still fulfilling the purpose that God had called. We move into the epistles at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul wrote, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And truly, Paul went all over the then known world preaching. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, Paul is emphasizing the fact 
of this great commission and preaching the gospel to the lost people so that they have an opportunity to hear and to be saved. It's too bad that they won't all be saved. So many people refuse to hear the gospel. and Others that hear it say, I want nothing to do with it. But then there are some that hear it and say, that's for me. We don't know who those people are. Otherwise, we'd go directly to them. We'd bypass everyone else and we go directly to them. But we don't know who the next person to be saved is. We just don't know. And the Lord doesn't want us to know. And so he gives us the command to go and to spread the seed, the gospel, the word of God in all the world so that people can hear. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, Paul's an old man now and he's writing to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor in, in uh, uh, Ephesus. And so he's writing and he says here, but watch thou in all things endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. See that? He's telling the pastor, do the work of an evangelist. That involves the gospel. That has to involve the gospel. You can't be an evangelist without having something to do with the gospel. Look at Philip, the evangelist. Look at how he witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch. Why, Philip was a great preacher. He went into Samaria and many people got saved because he preached the gospel. He was evangelistic. And so Paul was telling Timothy to be evangelistic. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Preachers that don't preach the gospel, that don't get involved in, in the gospel, they're not making full proof of their ministry. Even if we went right through to the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament written something like 95 AD, right at the end of the first century, we find in chapter 22, verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. So right from the birth of the church, right through to the end of the first century, they were still at it, still fulfilling the main purpose of the local church. Therefore, we believe the main, most important purpose of the local church is the evangelization of the lost. Listen to Jesus' words. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 20, 21, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As a Bible believing Christian, I am compelled to admit that the main, most important purpose of the local Bible-believing church anywhere in the world is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. And that's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto Surrey, unto the uttermost parts of the world. I thought I saw Surrey there for a minute. My mistake. You know what? The church is something like a rescue boat. That's what it is. When the Titanic went down, the boats, the lifeboats came in to try and pick up some lost people, but some lifeboats wouldn't. Did you know that? Some people says, no, 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 uh, they'll capsize us. We have enough people in our lifeboat. We can't take on any more. And the cries of the people in the st stillness and the darkness, you know, help, help. And they got fainter and fainter until they weren't heard anymore. Sadly, that's the state of many local churches today. 
all around them in the cities in which God has put them and planted them. There's cries of lost people, help, help. And the church does nothing. The job of the local church hasn't changed. The main purpose, the main job is still the evangelization of the lost. We are like a search and rescue kind of, listen, the Carpathia turned off its course to go help the Titanic. When they got news, the captain of the Carpathia, you know, he, was, uh, he was a hero after this, but uh, uh, he did everything possible to get more miles per hour out of his ship to get over to where those sinking and drowning people were. And he did everything in his power possible to get there. And they rescued as many as they could. Sad, some 1,500 people died in that horrible tragedy. But the Carpathia, all of a sudden, acted like a rescue, a search and rescue kind of ship. And that's what the local church is. You know, we're, we're the good ship gospel is what we are. And we're, we're in this city of 600,000 people. Now, this is just us, just our church, Grace Baptist Church in Surrey, British Columbia. But our main purpose, our main job is to let this whole city know that Jesus saves and that they can be saved. Now that's, that's our job folks. That's our, as a Bible believing Christian, I am forced to admit that. Now, I guess the question is, are we fulfilling our purpose to the best of our ability? Are we doing the best we can? Now you might say, well, pastor, what do you mean? Well, let me give you a familiar story. Some young people, they go to school, but they're not doing the best they can. You know what I mean by that? They're not doing the best they can do in school. Maybe some of you adults here today, maybe you have memories of wasted years in school. Maybe you went through your school days and you just gave it half a mind. You did the very least you could. I remember a fellow when I was in high school, and he was a strange kind of a guy. Um, He just didn't want to be in school. And I remember that he said that uh, in one class, the students, and he was in the class, the students were given a choice of two subjects to write on. One subject, if I had all the money in the world, and they were supposed to write a story, what they would do if they had all the money in the world. And the other was, if I had all the time in the world and they were supposed to write a story, well, what would they do if they had all the time in the world? So he chose the second one. And he wrote, if I had all the time in the world, I'd write this later. Period. That's the kind of guy he was. You know, there are some, some young people in school that do just the bare minimum They don't want to put in the effort. They're not interested in getting an A. But they don't want to get an F and fail. They want to just pass. There are some adults who go to work. And they're not doing the best they can at work. Now let's talk about Christian adults. Christian young people. Born again ones. And it's true. There are some born again, saved, blood-bought on their way to heaven, young people in school doing the bare minimum. What a shame. There are some blood-bought, born-again, on-their-way-to-heaven adults that go to work at a company 
and they do the bare minimum, just the bare minimum. They're not working to the best of their ability. I think even in marriages, it happens where husbands and wives are doing the bare minimum. You know, you get out of something, what you put into it, right? Have you ever heard that expression? The computer people say garbage in what's the next one garbage out. And you know, the scriptures that says you reap what you, what you sow. That's right. And obviously if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life and joy. It's a shame, a human nature shame. And the devil takes full advantage of our weakness. But sometimes we just put in the bare minimum. And as a church, we can do that too. And I do believe that there are churches around the world, including in Surrey. And as churches, we're not doing the best that we can do in the search and rescue business. We're doing the bare minimum. And often the attitude is, well, someone else will do it. It's not my job. You know, for many of us, wisdom comes a little too late. Don't you find that to be true? Some of us say, boy, if only I could go back with what I know now, I wouldn't make those mistakes. I wouldn't have stood up and opened my mouth and said what I said. I wouldn't have taken this. I wouldn't have opted out of that opportunity. Boy, if only I could go back and repeat some of those years, but we can't do it folks. And many of us are left with wasted years. We'll never be able to reclaim them. And the bottom line is yesterday is gone. And the very truth of the matter is tomorrow may never come. But what is equally true is we have today. We have today. That's what we have. What are we going to do with today? We need to do the right thing. And our main, most important purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost people here in Surrey and around the world. And that's why I believe a healthy church will be preaching the gospel and trying to get the gospel out the doors. Don't leave the seed in the barn, get it out into the field where it belongs here and around the world. In our church, we use soul winners Academy. See over here on the wall, we've got our soul winners Academy. Now, we had this thing running pretty good. I mean, we were pumping a lot of horsepower out of, out of this until COVID hit. All of a sudden, COVID kind of threw us for a loop. Well, I'm happy to say that we're, we're back in the saddle. We got what we call a fire brigade going. And that's our, our colloquial name for the flyer brigade. Every, every Saturday, we have teams of people who go out and put gospel literature in the mailboxes. We're not at a point where we can knock on doors like we used to because of COVID, but we can put gospel literature in mailboxes. You, do you know how much training you need to be able to do that? I mean, there's very little training involved to be able to go out and put a gospel literature in this mailbox and put one in this mailbox and put one in that mailbox. It's, it's so easy. And yesterday, our, our people were out and I think we got 500 more let me see, we were at, I think it was 58. Pastor Devian, you remember it was 58, approximately 63 now. So there's about 500 
gospels put into mailboxes. And we got people now shut up in their homes, essentially. And so there's more chance they're going to read these, isn't there? So it's a great ministry. And that's what we use to try and reach lost people in Surrey. And I want you to be praying for that 104 building. Because God gives us that, we will instantly have the attention of everyone in Surrey. Everyone's jaw is going to drop and say, what? How did that little church end up with that building on 104? That's impossible. There is a God that answers prayer. We'll be able to direct them to the website. There'll be a lot of people reading about the gospel and hearing the gospel because of that building. I want to encourage you to be praying about that. But in order to reach the world, we need more help. That's where missionaries come in. Praise the Lord for missionaries, gospel preaching missionaries. I don't mean missionaries that go off and teach people how to bathe in the river, teach them how to plant corn or teach them how to build an outhouse or something. I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm talking about missionaries who will go and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it real to the people in their language so that they have an opportunity to hear and repent and be saved. That's the kind of gospel preaching missionary that the apostle Paul was. And that's the kind that local new Testament churches today ought to be supporting. Praise the Lord. We got a few of them that we support, but we need more missionaries. If we're going to reach the whole world, because that is the job of the local church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that can only be done through missions. Now, these days we have to kind of, adjust how we do things a little and we can't have missionaries in like we used to. A lot of them can't even cross the border to get here because of COVID, but they can come here through the internet. And so tonight is going to be our first one, Andrew Canavan. And he's going to come, he's going to show his slides or his little movie there on Dublin, Ireland. You're going to get to see all about that. You're going to get to hear him preach. And uh, he's still a young man. He's got lots of good strength and energy and life left in him. And I think he's going to do a great job. He's already over in Dublin. And so we want to, we don't have a, a gospel preaching missionary over there. So this would be a good guy for us to support. Well, can we financially afford it? Well, we sure can because God has given us more money than we have missionaries. So we have this buildup, this excess that we can't allow it to be building and building for what? The whole purpose of the money is to support the missionaries. And so look forward over this next uh, few months here of this year, God willing, we'll be able to get a bunch more missionaries into our church through the internet and take on the support of more missions. Praise the Lord. And then we each get involved by adopting a missionary and praying for that missionary every day. That's how you send your heart to the mission field, folks. Do it through your missionary. Make use of your missionary. And by the way, here's a tip for those of you who like to, you know, scoot around on the internet and visit different churches. When you're checking out a church, check out if they have a, a local soul winning program to reach lost people in their city. And if they have a missions program whereby they can reach the lost people around the world, check for those two things. Churches that don't have either, in my opinion, they're not making full proof of their ministry. They're going to have to hang their head shame faced before the Lord Jesus, because they're not fulfilling the main purpose. Oh, they may have wonderful fellowship. They may have music that would put us to shame. Although that would be pretty hard to do because we got pretty sweet music. If you ask me, 
but they may have things we don't. But if they don't have a soul winning program and a missions program, uh, something not right there. And you know what? Some people are afraid of soul winning, afraid of missions. And so they swing the pendulum and they emphasize on deeper teaching, deeper truths teaching. I remember over the last few years, we've had visitors come to the church and uh, one or two of these guys have come and they've, they've been like the deeper life, deeper teaching sort of thing. And, and I would ask them, well, how, how are you doing in the area of soul winning? And all of a sudden they shut up. How many missionaries are you supporting? All of a sudden, oh, it's, I got to go. <laughs> that tells you something, folks. I mean, cut right to the chase. This is where it's at. It's the most important job of the church. So look for those two things. Now, listen, a church of 30 people that supports five missionaries, I think looks pretty good. It's healthy. But a church of 300 people that only support five missionaries, uh, something doesn't look right. Unless possibly that church of 300 is supporting in totality all of the financial needs of those five missionaries, in which case they may be giving $200,000 a year to missions. You know, you got to find that out. But a a good, healthy church is going to have something going on for soul winning and something going on for missions. Besides it's, you know, ladies fellowships and it's men's breakfasts and these other things. It's going to have these two. Now let's conclude the matter. We're just about done here. The chief end of a local church, its main, most important purpose is the evangelization of the world through soul winning and through missions. That is the main purpose of the church. Acts chapter one, verse eight, we saw it. Therefore, this means that the chief end of the ministries, all the different ministries of the local church must help guide that local church towards the evangelization of the world and the equipping of its people to be able to share their faith. And that means the chief end of all preaching, the chief end of all teaching is to train and to help the church to fulfill its purpose. Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ from that little passage, we can see that the whole church needs to be involved. Are you part of the church? Are you involved? You see? Now, are we saying that the evangelization is the only job for the church? No, 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 not at all. The, the church, the local church is involved in many wonderful things. But what we are saying is that the evangelization of the world must remain the main focus the main purpose of the local church. That's all we're saying today. Therefore, let every Christian at Grace Baptist Church be involved, praying daily for lost people to be saved. And of course, learning how to let their light shine. We've got Soul Winners Academy that we use and we twice a year in the fall and in the spring, we have training sessions on Saturdays. We're going to be having one coming up in October. I want you to be involved Only the first 50 people can be involved though. I'm sorry to say. Therefore, let everyone at Grace Baptist Church be involved in supporting worldwide missions. Every Christian should be involved in helping to get the gospel around the world. Are we doing the best we can? 
That's a good question. Let's bow our heads for prayer now. That's every head bowed and every eye closed. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And I would like to be able to include you in my prayer and pray for you and uphold you and support you. What is the desire on your heart, my Christian friend? And I'm wondering if you would be willing to ask God in prayer to help you to fulfill your main purpose as a Christian, which is the main purpose of the church. And that is the evangelization of the lost. Would you be willing to ask God in prayer to help you to do a better job? Letting your light shine. A better job. Praying for lost people. A better job. Supporting missionaries. Would you be willing to ask God to help make you better in helping us reach the world? with the gospel. If that's the desire of your heart, would you slip your hand up so that I might see anyone today? Slip your hand up so that I can see. Keep your hand up for a moment. God bless you. Hands all over. God bless you. We'll put them down. Heavenly Father, I pray with all my heart that you'd bless your people. I pray, Father God, with all my heart, soul, and spirit that you'd bless us as a church and help us to reach our main purpose just like they did in the New Testament, just like they've done over the last 2,000 years, so many wonderful churches that have been in existence for the purpose of trying to win their city to Christ and win the world. We know we don't have much time left, maybe months, maybe weeks, maybe years. I kind of doubt it. But Lord, whatever time we have, I pray you'd help us. Help each one who's raised their hand just now asking for prayer and I uphold them Lord and pray for them earnestly that you'd help them to do a better job as we look to close out this year, this 2020. Many of us never thought we we'd be around in 2020, but here we are still amazing. that Jesus hasn't yet come. There's still a window of opportunity open. And father, I pray you'd bless the people that have just raised their hand, encourage them and, Give them a blessing as they look to you for wisdom, how to do a better job. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just before I finish, is there one here today that you're not sure you're saved? You're not 100% sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. You've thought about it and there's just a big question mark and maybe some fear. What's going to happen to me if I die? I don't know for sure. If I died, I'd go to heaven. Is there one here today with every head bowed, every eye closed? Would you raise your hand? I'll pray for you. God bless you. One has raised their hand saying, I'm not sure. Two, God bless you. Is there anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. I want to be sure, but I'm not sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Anyone else? Raise your hand so that I might see and pray. My Father God, I do pray for these two that have raised their hand. Oh, Father, I know you love them so much. You sent Jesus to die for them on the cross. He bled and died for their sins as he did for all of our sins. And the gospel truth is so simple. Help them, Lord, to have the faith they need in prayer to confess to you their sin. Realizing that sinners can't get to heaven and there's only heaven and hell, that's it. There's nothing else. Encourage them to call upon Jesus right now 
Lord Jesus, forgive me all my sin. Come into my heart. Wash my sin away. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to love you and live for you. Take me to heaven one day. Father, I pray you would bless this day for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Amen.